Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. Hello. Okay, I want to start by praying because that's good. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this moment. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for everyone who's here. Thank you that you've given me this word, and I just pray that you would help me to deliver it and to say everything that I wanted to say and everything that you want me to say, Lord, and that everyone would receive it, Lord Jesus, and that it would touch someone tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so introductions for those who don't know me. My name is Sarah Bush. I am a sophomore at UL. I've been coming to church here for about eight years. I've been in Fusion for five, and I've been a leader for two. So tonight, the title of my message is Going Through the Motions. So most of y'all started school two weeks ago. I started last week. And how many of y'all have already gotten into somewhat of a routine? Anyone have something that you have to do every single day in order to be like a routine or like it's messed up? Anyone? Anyone? Yes? What's an example? What do you have to do, Colin? School. <laughs> school is an important part of routine for a school day. I have to have coffee in the morning or I'm literally dead the entire day. But so how many of you would consider yourselves control freaks? I'm a very big control freak. Everything in our life gets so compartmentalized compartmentalize, big word, so easily because with routine comes control. Routine gives us the false illusion that we can control everything that happens in our life and when it happens. And I don't know about you, but when I start to get worried and anxious is when something that I want to happen a certain way doesn't happen. Control gives us the idea that we can be God, that we can do what we want to do when we want to do it. And that's what trials and tribulations kind of is. When you're going through life and you have, I don't know how many of you have heard of a five-year plan. I don't have a five-year plan, but most of you probably have an idea of what you want to do with your life. Like, I know for me, when I graduate UL, I want to go to med school, then I want to get married young, and I want to have kids, and then I want to work in the NICU, and I want to do missions. And it's like, in your head, even if it's subconscious, there's a list of things that you think you want to do in your life. And then when something comes, when a trial comes, it like puts a hurdle and all of a sudden you have to trust God and you can't just trust in yourself. And unfortunately, a lot of times our relationship with God gets slipped into our routine and serving God becomes going through the motions. You read the verse of the day. You go to church on Sunday. You go to church on Wednesday. Repeat. Every church, even church, can become a routine. You stand and listen to three worship songs. You listen to a 30-minute message. You close in prayer, then you go home. You lose the emotional and the spiritual connection to Jesus. And that's when you start bearing fruit and your relationship with God becomes stagnant. I know that when I started college last last year, I was really excited and college is great. But there's so much stress that comes with not just college, with high school and like with life, that I went into it all enthusiastic, and I was like, you know, this is my mission field, and, like, people are going to get saved, and, like, halfway through, like, the first week, I was like, man, I'm the mission field now, because I got so dry, because I was constantly pouring into people at school, pouring in at church, coming to do worship, listening to messages, and you can't give what you don't have, and if you haven't continue, if you don't continuously receive from God and take the time on your own time to receive from God, you're going to just be dry and you're not going to be able to be the missionary that you want to be. You're not going to be able to be the influence at your school that you want to be.
God did not create us for us to just turn around and put our relationship with him in a box, in a little corner on a shelf, that it won't interfere with our life. If you're in a true, vibrant relationship with God, then it will take out every other part of your life, and you will decide what you want to do and when you want to do in your life based on that relationship. It will be messy. It will spill over into every aspect of your life, and it will be life-changing. If we don't make time for God in our life when it's easy to serve Jesus, then how can we expect to make time in our life when it's hard? If suddenly America became where you couldn't have churches and it was illegal to be a Christian, and you couldn't go to church on Sunday and Wednesdays, family life closed, what would you do? Would you still have a relationship with God? Would, would you still make time in your personal life if you're not being forced by your parents to go to church? Is that a priority in your life? Because when things get hard, when things don't go as planned, when you have a trial in your life, that's when you need to lean on God. And if you can't do it when you're on the mountain, how are you going to do it when you're at the very bottom? I want to read from Revelation. I know some of you are thinking Revelation is that weird book with the beast and the eyes and like the weird lion thing that flies. And I feel like I believe that a lot of us Christians kind of put Revelation aside because we don't get it. And just because we don't understand something doesn't mean it's the word of God and doesn't mean we can receive from it. So I'm going to read from Revelation 3. It's the amplified version. I'm not going to read all the little parentheticals, but I'm going to read some of them. So, to the angel of the church in Sardis write, these are the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a name that you are alive, but in reality you are dead. Wake up and strengthen and reaffirm what remains of your faithful commitment to me, which is about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God or meeting his requirements. So remember and take to heart the lessons you have received and heard. Keep and obey them and repent. Change your sinful way of thinking and demonstrate your repentance with new behavior that proves a conscious decision to turn away from sin. So then if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. But you still have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes, that is, contaminated their character and personal integrity with sin, and they will walk with me in white because they are worthy. He who overcomes the world through believing that Jesus is the Son of God will accordingly be dressed in white clothing, and I will never blot out his name from the book of life. I will confess and openly acknowledge his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear and heed what the Spirit says to the churches. So tonight I want to share four simple, practical ways to break the cycle of going through the motions in your relationship with God. Number one is to pinpoint where you last left him. Have you ever lost something? I'm pretty sure everyone here has lost something before. I don't know about you, but growing up and still, if I have lost something, I would tell my mom, and my mom would be like, well, where is the last place you had it? And she tells you to retrace your steps. And so you try to think back to the last time you remember having that object, and then you think about when was the last time you don't remember having it, and you try to figure out what happened in between. The same thing is with God. So I want to read Revelation 2. It says, I know your deeds and your toil and your patient endurance, and that you cannot tolerate those who are evil and have tested and critically appraised those who call themselves apostles. And are in fact not, and have found them to be liars and imposters. And I know that you who believe are enduringly patiently, enduring patiently, and are bearing up for my name's sake, 
and that you have not grown weary, but I have this charge against you that you have left your first love. You have lost the depth of love that you first had for me. So remember the heights from which you have fallen and repent. Change your inner self, your old way of thinking, your sinful behavior. Seek God's will and do the works that you did at first when you first knew me. Otherwise, I will visit you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. If you lose something, if you wait too long before you go to find it, you're going to forget. You're not going to be able to retrace your steps. You're going to be like, I don't remember that place. And the thing is, I didn't say that God left you. and didn't say pinpoint where God left you because God is never going to leave you. God is never going to give up on you. If we ever lose track of God and our relationship with him, it's because we left him. We left him in a conversation at school. We left him um, in a trial. We left him in the activity we were doing. Sometimes we even leave God at church. Sometimes we just, we leave God at church. We like, we correlate God and church, a building as the same thing. And the church is not a building. And God does not just live in a church. In the Old Testament, you had a tabernacle. And in the tabernacle is where God's presence dwelt. But when Jesus died on the cross and said it is finished, the veil torn from top to two, and that representing everyone being able to go and have a relationship with God, not just the high priest. And that's where Jesus lives inside of you. He lives in your heart, and his Holy Spirit is with you. You cannot put God off. You can't put God off. You know, there's a verse that says that that he holds you in the palm of his hand, and no one can snatch you out of it. But a preacher once said, you can walk out. And God's not going to let you go, but you can let God go. The prodigal son never thought that he would end up in a pig's pen. Pretty sure he never thought, once I got my inheritance, I'm going to just blow it and I'm going to end up in a pig's pen eating pig slop. But he was able to come to his senses. He was able to remember where he left. And he was able to go back. And the picture is of his father standing there with open arms because he was there to accept him and he was always waiting So the older brother said that his father was always waiting for him there. Which leaves me to two. You need to keep oil in your lamp. And by oil, I mean the Holy Spirit. So we don't really put oil in our lamps anymore because this is like 2019. But what I like to think of is your phone. Okay, so anyone ever been waiting for like a really important phone call? Like this is a super important phone call. And I don't know about you, but if I'm waiting for a very important phone call, I have my phone plugged in, and I'm always checking it. I'm making sure it's working, because the moment that you unplug your phone, it starts to lose battery. It loses juice. And the greater the percentage and the probability that you're going to miss that phone call, because if it randomly dies, I mean, phones are charging faster now, but they're not that fast. And the time for you to get it plugged in, to get enough charge, you might miss that phone call. And in this story that I'm going to read in Matthew, the phone call represented Jesus coming back. The virgins represent us, and the lamps and the oil represent the Holy Spirit inside of us. Matthew 25 says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they did not take any extra oil with them, but the wise took flask of oil along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delayed, they all began to nod off and they fell asleep. But at midnight there was a shout, 
Look, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins got up and put their own lamps in order. But the foolish virgins said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, because our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, otherwise there will not be enough for us and for you, too. Go instead to the dealers and buy oil for yourselves. But while they were going away to buy oil, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut and locked. Later, the others also came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he replied, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, I do not know you. We have no relationship. Therefore, be on the alert, be prepared and ready, for you do not know the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will come. It's so important that you are constantly praying in the Spirit, worshiping, and not just at church, by yourself in your own time with God. They said that the foolish virgins went to the wise and said, we don't have enough for both of us. Because you can't rely on the pastor to receive God for you. You can't rely, oh, the, the worship leader's into it. It must be enough. Like It must just kind of osmosis into you. You have to receive the Holy Spirit for yourself. You have to fill yourself up constantly. Because if you just go to church on Sundays and Wednesdays, it's like you plugging your phone twice a week. Pretty sure your phone does not last that long. Neither does the Holy Spirit, especially with everything that gets bombarded at us every day in the relationships we have at school. It's so important to keep oil in your lamp. Number three, be sensitive to the Lord's voice. So read the story of Elijah, part of it. The background to this verse, Elijah was running away from Jezebel, who was a lady who was threatening to kill him. He was terrified. I'm not quite sure why. But he ran away. And so it picks up where he came to a cave in 1 Kings 19. There he came to a cave and spent the night in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, only I, am left, and they seek to take away my life. So he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by, and a great and powerful wind was tearing up the mountains and breaking the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire there was the sound of a gentle blowing. When Elijah heard the sound, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the sons of Israel have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. And I, only I, am left, and they seek to take away my life. Elijah was seeking the wrong thing. Elijah was looking for a feeling, a sensation, an experience when he should have been looking for God's heart. Elijah was looking in the wind because it was breaking the rocks. It was making a big show. And he thought, surely God is in that. Surely God is in when I get this feeling, when I cry and worship. And I don't know about you, but I kind of correlated in my head when it had the wind and the earthquake and the fire. I don't know. Don't judge me. But there's been times like in a service when I was like, I hope I get God by the first song. Like, wouldn't it be great if I got into worship the first song? 
And then sometimes it's like the first song, I'm like, I'm not feeling it. And the second song, it's like, maybe I'll press in the second song. And then the third song, and then this has happened to me. And you're like, oh, maybe the message, maybe God will just be like this one word and like specific speak through the preacher. And you'll just be like, oh, my God, it's from the Lord. And then he's like preaching on marriage and you're like 10 years old and you're like, I don't have a boyfriend. <laughs> like, what? Because I've been there. I remember being like six years old in church and talking about marriage. My mom was like, it's a great message. I'm like, right over my head. <laughs> I don't really care. And um, it's a little bit different now, but back then. So the problem with Elijah was he was looking for God in religion. He was looking for God. And it's kind of funny because he even says, he says, I've been zealous. I've been passionate for God. He said, I have been serving you. I'm the only one left. It was all like me, me, me. Look at what I have done. And that's what the Pharisees said. They're like, look at me. They're like, look, I do all these things. I go to church. I know my Bible. I pray three times a day. And the Lord was like, hey, you're where you're looking over here and I'm over here. Like, where are you looking? Like, you're not looking for the right thing. And he was so proud of that. And God kept saying, why are you, where, what are you doing here? The fourth way, final way, is to build altars of remembrance and visit them often. So I'm going to start by reading Genesis 28, part of it. So, now Jacob left Beersheba, never to see his mother again, and traveled toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed overnight there because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down there to sleep. He dreamed that there was a ladder placed on the earth, and the top of it reached out of sight toward heaven. And he saw the angels of God ascending and descending on it, going to and from heaven. And behold, the Lord stood above and around him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. I will give to you and to your descendants the land of promise on which you are lying. Your descendants shall be as countless as the dust of the earth, and ye shall spread abroad to the west and the east and the north and the south, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed through you and your descendants. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep careful watch over you and guard you wherever you may go, and I will bring you back to this promised land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep, and he said, Without any doubt, the Lord is in this place, and I did not realize it. So he was afraid and said, How fearful and awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gateway to heaven. So Jacob got up early in the morning and took the stone he had placed under his head, and he set it up as a pillar that is a monument to the vision in his dream, and he poured olive oil on the top of it to consecrate it. He named that place Bethel the house of God, and the previous name of that city was Luce Almond Tree. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take, and will give me food to eat and clothing to wear, and if he grants that I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. This stone which I have set up as a pillar will be God's house, a sacred place to me. And of everything that you give me, I will give the tenth to you to signify my gratitude and dependence on you. I want to point out that it says that Jacob said, this is none other than the house of God. He wasn't talking about church. 
Jacob had just stole the birthright, which is basically the whole inheritance and blessing from his brother, tricked his dad, was running away because he was going to kill him. So he's literally in the middle of nowhere. He was nowhere near a church. He was not on a church ground. He was not in a small group. He was not in a life group. He wasn't at Bethel. He wasn't at our saviors. He wasn't at family life. He was literally in the middle of nowhere by himself. And that's where God met him. God is not in a building. God will come and meet you. Throughout these stories that I've read tonight, God has come to them in their trial. When they were struggling, when they felt like they lost control, Jacob, I'm sure, was not thinking that he was going to end up sleeping on a rock. Jacob, you never plan to end up in a valley. You don't plan. That's where you lose control because we're not in control. God is in control, and he will meet you where you are. I want everyone to stand and think of the lights. And I want you to close your eyes, and I want to read Revelation 3, and I want you to listen while I read. I want you to think about where you stand with your relationship with God as I read. He said, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, spiritually useless, and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have prospered and grown wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked without hope and in great need. I counsel you to buy from me gold that has been heated red hot and refined by fire so that you may become truly rich. And white clothes representing righteousness to clothe yourself so that the shame of your nakedness will not be seen. And healing salve to put on your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I dearly and tenderly love, I rebuke and discipline, showing them their faults and instructing them. So be enthusiastic and repent. Change your inner self, your old way of thinking, your sinful behavior, and seek God's will. Behold, I stand at the door of the church and continually knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, restore him, and he with me. He who overcomes the world through believing that Jesus is the Son of God, I will grant him the privilege to sit beside me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat beside my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I'm going to say something that might surprise some of you. I know it surprised me the first time I heard it. I want you to listen. Most people will miss heaven by 18 inches. Most people will miss heaven by 18 inches. This is what Jesus said to the Pharisees, who on the outside did everything right and were very religious in Matthew 15. He said, you hypocrites, you play actors, pretenders. Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, for they teach us doctrines the precepts of men. You might be saying, what do you mean? The distance from your head to your heart is about 18 inches. The thing is that a lot of people know about God, even Satan knows about God, and he knows that it's true. But very few people love and serve Jesus with their heart and have a true relationship with him past going to church and reading their Bibles. Guys, God has more for you than that. He wants a real relationship with you. If you're tired of going through motions and you feel like you just press repeat every day and every day is Groundhog's Day with God, every day is the same, you come out dry, you have nothing to give, there's more to serving Jesus than that. 
you do not have to raise your hand but how many of you have put your relationship with God in a box that you only pull out when it's convenient or you need help how long has it been since you last had a real conversation with Jesus instead of only praying to ask him something was it Sunday was it Wednesday was it the beginning of this message when we prayed Maybe some of you do not even have a real relationship with Jesus and you do not really understand in your heart why you have been doing these things, such as going to church and reading your Bible. But you don't have to worry because today is your chance. Now the Lord is tugging on your heart that today is the day that can change. He will meet you where you are. He will meet you where you are. I do not want to just tell you about breaking the cycle of serving God with your mouth but not with your heart, because that means that you can just leave here continuing to go through the motions. Instead, I want to spend the last 10 or so minutes to split up into the room and spend genuine time with God. Have a real conversation. Repent of where you left Him. Rededicate your life to Him. Let Him refill your lamps. Before you go spend 10 minutes, I'm going to close in prayer, and the leaders will be up here if you need prayer for anything. Lord Jesus, thank you, Father, for this night. Thank you for speaking through me. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to go through the motions. Thank you that we don't have to live our life just trying to give what we don't have. Thank you that that a relationship with you is more than church, that it's more than Sunday morning service. Thank you that it's more than us just trying to seek you, Father, that you meet us where we are. Thank you, Lord, that you don't make us go a mile, Father, back to where we were in a good relationship with you, Father, for you to come back. Lord, you meet us where we are. You'll meet us in the valley. You meet us on the mountain, Lord. You'll meet us in the middle where there's confusion and anxiety. Lord, I just speak peace over the minds of everyone in this room, Jesus, that there would be no anxiety, Jesus, that they would give up control to you, Lord. I pray that all control will be given to you, Jesus. I pray that they would surrender, Lord Jesus. Nothing else will do. Nothing, Lord. We're sorry for just going through the motions, for singing another song, Lord Jesus. I just pray tonight, Lord, as they leave here, Jesus, that there would be a new peace, that they would renew and restore the relationship with you, Lord, and that they would be safe on their way home in Jesus' name. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on Facebook or Instagram.